Turn with me in your Bibles to the first letter of John, toward the back. 1 John 3, verses 19 through 24 is our text for today. But before we hear the reading and preaching of God's Word, let's pray and ask for His blessing on our study this morning. Would you pray with me? God of mercy, you promised never to break your covenant with us. Amid all the changing words of our generation, speak your eternal word that does not change. Then we may respond to your gracious promises with faithful and obedient lives through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. 1 John 3, verses 19 through 24. By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our hearts before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is his commandment that we believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he has commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God, and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us, by the Spirit whom he has given us. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let me invite all the kids, uh, fifth grade and below, to come up and join me. Welcome. Good to see y'all. Hey. All right. So today we are talking about assurance. Uh, assurance is knowing something for certain uh, or having confidence that something is really true. Like I took my car with noisy brakes to the mechanic and asked him to fix them. But I did not stand there and watch while he did that. Okay, so how can I know for sure if the mechanic actually changed the brakes on the car? How could I know? Any thought? Asking the well, yeah, I could ask him. Yeah, and what'd you say? Testing it. Testing it. Yeah. Uh, does my car actually stop when I press the brakes? Is that noise gone? Ah, okay, so I can test. If the car stops better and the bad noises are gone, then I think my mechanic passed the test, right? I'm, I'm sure that he did the work. Okay, what about you? How can you be confident that you are really growing up? How can you be sure that you're really getting bigger? Well, can you, can you see, can you look at your legs... And watch them get longer? No. No. Uh, or can you stand next to your dad? Like if I, can you stand next to your dad and, and watch as your eyes get closer up to his? Can no. you? No? Okay, so how do you do it? Um, you, you could get um, a piece of paper on the wall and mark how tall you are. Okay. And then whenever you're past that, well, lines can't move themselves. R- right. And 
That's right. As the lines keep going up that wall or that door frame, yeah, you, you can know for sure that you're getting taller. You might not see any change in just one day, but you, you can see that you're growing as six months go by, right? Okay, here's one more thing. We have talked a lot lately about how God is the one who gives us faith in Jesus. He is the one who saves us because we can't save ourselves. But how can you be sure? How can you be sure that God is working in you? How can you be certain that He is giving you eternal life in Jesus and and changing you to be like Him? Because, I mean, listen guys, I don't know about you, but when I look at my life, I still see a lot of problems. Uh, I still struggle with sin. And I'm not really sure how much more I look like Jesus today than I did yesterday. It's hard to see any difference between yesterday and today sometimes. Well, just like there was a way to tell if the mechanic did his job or tell or measure your growth, the Apostle John wrote that letter that we read to believers to tell, to tell us that there are tests to know for certain if God is working in you. He, he says there are ways to be sure that you are saved. Are you ready? This, this is the test. First, do you love and trust Jesus? Yeah. Second, do you listen to what he says and obey? Yeah. Third, do you love other people and, and want to do good to them? That's it. That's the test. When we trust in Jesus and obey him and love other people, we can be sure that God is working in us. Now, you and I will admit that we don't do that perfectly, do we? No, none of us do. We, we don't trust him perfectly in everything. We, we don't always obey him like we should. And, and we often love ourselves more than we love other people, right? But do you want to trust Jesus always? Do you? Yeah. Do, do you want to obey him better? Yeah. Do, do you want to stop being selfish and love your family and your church and, and even your enemies? Like Jesus says, do you want to do that? Yeah. All right. Well, me too. And, and such belief and obedience and love is proof that God really is working in you. And because God always finishes what he begins, that's another reason why we call this good news. Do you believe it? All right. Thanks, guys. You can go back. If you're not already done so, open your Bibles to 1 John. You'll remember that we are in the middle of a series on the doctrine of salvation. And we're actually coming near the end of that series that we began so long ago. That we began by asking, why do we even need this salvation? Remember, we heard the Philippian jailer ask Paul, what must I do to be saved? And that prompted us to ask, well, how did he know that he needed salvation? And how do we know that we need salvation? And then, having considered our need, uh, we then asked how God has actually accomplished that salvation that we need in Jesus Christ. 
And having considered how God accomplished that salvation, we, we then looked at the manifold blessings of that salvation. What is it that we receive when we receive this salvation that we need? And then finally, for the last few weeks, we have been considering how we receive those benefits. We know what Christ has done. We, we know the benefits of what he has done. How do we become the beneficiaries of his work? And it's an answer to that question that our catechism says that in order to escape the wrath and curse of God that is due to us for our sin, that's why we need salvation, remember? We, we need salvation because of sin. God, sin has separated us from God and it has placed us under his judgment and his, his curse. But our catechism says that in order to escape the wrath and curse of God that is due to us for our sin, in order to receive the benefits of what Christ has done for sinners, God requires of us faith in Jesus Christ, repentance unto life, and the diligent use of the outward means whereby Christ communicates to us the benefits of redemption. The past two Sundays, Sam has unpacked for us the the meaning and the the practice of faith and repentance. What does it mean to believe? What does it mean to repent? And how do we actually do that? And next Sunday, I will begin unpacking the meaning of uh, practicing these outward and ordinary means whereby Christ communicates to us the benefits of the redemption. I, I will begin to explore what it means for us to actually make regular use of what are referred to as the means of grace. We, we talked about one of them in our confession of faith this morning, the, the sacraments that he has given us, the, the pictures of the gospel that we see in baptism and the Lord's Supper. But before we begin to consider those outward means, I want us first to to take up a question that is related uh, to uh, what Sam has been talking about the last couple of weeks, this, this idea of faith and repentance. Because when we look at faith and repentance, and we look at what God requires of us to to escape the wrath and the curse that is due to us for our sin, a, a question can be raised in our minds. A a question related to assurance. And there are actually two ways to look at assurance. You'll, You'll remember that when we were looking at the benefits of the salvation that is ours in Christ, we said that that one of those benefits is an assurance of God's love. If you have repented of your sins and believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, then you can have an absolute assurance of God's love for you. If you have repented and believed, you you can have an absolute, infallible certainty that He is for you and that He will bring to completion the good work that He has begun in you. The finished work of Jesus Christ upon the cross, His sacrificial death and, and victorious resurrection are the sure and certain source of your assurance, the assurance of all those who believe in Him. And this is really the, the root and the foundation of the good news. We don't have to wonder what God requires of sinners if they are to be saved. We don't have to wonder what He requires of us to be reconciled to Him. We don't have to, to wonder what will move Him to save us. 
If he did not spare his own son, as Paul says in in Romans chapter 8, if he put forth his son as the sacrifice for our sins, then we can know that all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. None who call upon him will ever be put to shame. However, there's another side to assurance. There's another question that we might ask. I suspect that many of you are, are, are saying in your hearts, well, I've never doubted the power of Jesus' blood to save. I've never doubted that that he will save all who who sincerely and truly believe in him. My my doubts are not about him. My doubts are about me. My doubts aren't aren't about whether or not he can save. I know he can save. I know he will save those who, who truly believe in him. My question is, have I truly believed? Is my faith sincere? Or is my faith that vain faith? that Paul talks about in his letters. How can I know that my faith is true? Have you ever asked that question? You ever ever wrestled with that question? How do I know that my faith, that my repentance is sincere? How do I know that my faith is saving faith? I, I know that Jesus will save all who believe in him. How do I know that I've actually believed? That's the question that I want us to wrestle with this morning. And I I want us to to take up this question by looking at this first letter of John. Sam read for us a a portion of chapter 3, but really the the whole book is our text this morning. And, And the reason we're taking the whole book is because John actually wrote this letter for the very purpose of addressing those questions of Assurance. Flip with me to the end of the book, to to chapter 5, verse 13. Notice what John writes there. He says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. So, So he's writing to believers. He's writing to those who believe, those who profess faith in Jesus Christ. And he says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that, so that you may know that you have eternal life. If you'll remember, at the end of his gospel, he makes a similar statement. He says, I write these things so that you may know that Jesus is the Christ, that you might come to faith in him. Now he's writing to those who have that faith, who who profess faith in Jesus Christ. And he says, I'm writing to you so that you may know that you have truly believed, that you may know that you truly have eternal life in his name. He's writing to Christians to give them a personal assurance of their own salvation. And he does that by giving them three tests. Tests like the ones that that Sam was describing to the kids. We we actually see all three of them woven together in chapter 3, there in verse 23. Again, turn there with me. We're going to be flipping around a lot today, but turn there with me to Chapter 3, verse 23. Because here, John gives us, woven together, the three tests to, to determine and to see the authenticity and the sincerity of our faith in Jesus Christ. He says, and this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he has commanded us. So the first test is is simply the test of belief. 
Do we believe that Jesus is the Son of God and the Savior of sinners? Yesterday I had the, the privilege of interviewing several of our, of our covenant children to, as they were making public their faith in Jesus Christ and being received as communing members of the church. And, and this is one of the questions that we always ask them. Uh, we ask them, do you personally receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, do you know Him to be the Son of God? Do you know Him to be the Savior of sinners? And do you receive and rest upon Him for your own salvation? It's the same question that any adult would be asked when they came to, to join the church. And it's the first test. Do we believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Do we believe that He is the Savior of sinners? And have we received and rested upon Him for our salvation? It's the test of belief. It's the, the first test that John gives us. But he, but he also gives us a second test. We see it there. Has our belief in Jesus produced in us, produced in our lives, an obedience to Jesus' command? The, the second test is obedience. Does our faith express itself in humble submission to his lordship over our lives? So the second test is obedience. Do we obey him? And the third test is love. Is our obedience to Jesus, is our obedience to his commands, is it an obedience that is marked by sincere and genuine love for our brothers and sisters? A, a sincere and genuine love for our neighbors. That's the third test. So we, we have three tests. The test of belief the test of obedience, and the, and the test of love. And by, by applying these tests to ourselves, we can come to know that we personally have eternal life in Jesus Christ. And so I want us to do that this morning. I want us to apply these tests to ourselves so that we might have that assurance of which John speaks. So let's begin with the first test. The first test, that, that test of obedience. We, we see this in uh, any number of places throughout the book, but turn with me first to, to chapter 2. In chapter 2, verses 18 through 25, again, John is writing, and he begins there in verse 18 by saying, Children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now uh, many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know it is the last hour. Now, there's a, a whole sermon there that I don't have time to, to preach this, this morning. But, but we, what we want to focus on is this idea. He says there's an Antichrist coming. And here's how you know the Antichrist. The Antichrist is the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ. This is what, this is what John wants his readers to know. He says that the Antichrist is the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ. He, he says it there. This is the Antichrist. He who denies the Father and the Son. And then he adds, no one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. So let what you heard from the beginning abide in you, he says. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. What is it that they heard? They had heard the good news of Jesus the Christ. He said, let that gospel abide in you. Because when that gospel abides in you, you have eternal life. We, we see something similar in chapter 4. In the very beginning of chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. Turn there uh, with me. Again, notice what he writes. He says, Beloved, uh, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Not everyone who claims to speak for God 
speaks for God. That's a, a good rule. It's a good rule to remember even today. Don't believe every spirit, but put the spirits to the test. And, and putting them to the test, again, there's a whole sermon there, uh, but putting them to the test doesn't mean just do you like what they have to say, but you put them to the test. We know from the Old Testament where those tests are actually given to us by comparing what is being said to what God has already said. Are they faithful to what God has already revealed? Put those to the test. Put the spirits to the, the test. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. And by this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. The true spirits, those spirits that, that speak for God, they confess that Jesus has come in the flesh. But every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of Antichrist, echoing back to what he said in chapter 2. That Antichrist that you have heard is coming into the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and error. Do you listen to the spirits that confess Jesus is the Christ? Is that your belief? And then maybe most clearly of all, we see it in chapter 5. Flip over to there, to chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Again, um, John says it clearly, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of Him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey His commandments, for this is the love of God that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? And so in faith we have overcome the world. And what is the substance of that faith? We believe that Jesus is the Son of God, come in human flesh as the Christ. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ, John says, has been born of God. So this is the test of belief. This is the, the first test that, that John gives us in order to bolster our assurance. Do we believe that Jesus is the Son of God come in flesh as the Christ to save us from the guilt and the power of our sin and to bring us finally home into the presence of our Heavenly Father? Is this what we believe? I want you to notice a couple things here about, about this test that John is, is giving us. First, notice that, that the focus is on our present belief. He, he's asking you to apply this test to yourself right now. If you're having questions of assurance, apply this test to yourself right now. Is this what you believe in this moment, even as you are, are sitting here in his presence, gathered together with the people of God? John is not asking whether or not you have made a profession of faith at some point in the past. Such professions are not irrelevant, of course, we, do, we delight when our children make a profession of faith, and we, we delight when we remember back to those moments when God brought us to faith. Such professions of faith in the past are, are not irrelevant, but, but John makes it very clear in chapter 2 that there are those who, who make a profession of faith who later turn from that profession. 
and prove themselves to be unbelievers. And so, so the test is not whether you have made a profession at some point in the past. Such professions are not uh, the the root or the the ground or the evidence of our assurance of salvation. The test of assurance is our present belief. Do you at this moment believe that Jesus is the Christ? Do you confess Him to be the Son of God, come in human flesh as the Christ to save you from your sins? That's the question that we must be asking ourselves. And and I want you to see that when you ask yourself that question, you're asking yourself something very specific. There is a specific content to this faith in Jesus Christ that John is talking about. John refers to believing that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. To to confess that, that Jesus is the Son of God and to believing that, that He is the Christ. So, so, is Jesus the eternal Son of God? Has He come in the flesh? And has He come in the flesh as the Christ, as the Messiah, as the long-promised Savior who delivers God's people from the wrath and curse due to them for their sin? Now, at some level, you may think that this doesn't sound all that profound. This, there, there's, not a lot, there's not a lot here, actually. You know, when, when, when we study doctrine and when we study systematics, there's, there's, there's so much more that we can talk about. We can get into to far greater details, and, and we wonder, these are, these are kind of simple things. Did Jesus, is Jesus the Son of God? Uh, did, did Jesus come in the flesh? Was he a real person? And is he the Messiah? It can sound too simple, but what I want you to see is that these truths that John is is focusing on here, these truths are at the very heart of the gospel. You've heard me say before that that Christianity is not good advice. It's not telling us what we must do in order to reconcile us to God. The the gospel of of Christianity is not about what we do for God, but about what He has done for us. And that is exactly what John is getting at here. He He is pointing us to the reality that the gospel is the good news of what God has done in the person of Jesus Christ. You see, if you don't believe that Jesus Christ was a historical person, if you don't, don't believe that, that, that the flesh and blood Jesus of Nazareth is the Christ, the, the eternal Son of God come in human flesh, then you are in effect saying that what He did doesn't really matter. What he did isn't what's significant. Rather, what's significant is what he taught, or at least the teachings that have been ascribed to him in history. What's what's important is the ethic that he embodied and the the ethic that he, he communicated. A person is saved not by what he did in the flesh, but rather a person is saved by doing what he commanded. That's the logical conclusion if you don't believe that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. If you don't believe that Jesus Christ is a, is a historical man who, who lived and died in the first century and, and died upon a Roman cross, if you don't believe that, then you are in effect not believing the gospel. 
You see, there are many people today who believe in Jesus as, a, as an ethical teacher. They, they believe that, that he was a, a person who, who taught a, a great ethic and even embodied a great ethic. And they respect him and they ad, admire him. But you need to understand that such admiration is not saving faith. What John is asking you to believe is that you have been justified, declared righteous in God's sight, and you have been adopted into His family, and you are now being sanctified, and you will one day be glorified, all because of what Jesus Christ has done for you, not what you do for Him. That's the sum and substance of the gospel. That's what John is, is asking. Do you believe that? If at this moment you think that all that stuff about Jesus' blood is a bit archaic, if you think all that stuff about his death is, is a, a little bit uh, you know, uh, barbarous and unnecessary, if you think the idea of God becoming man so that he could die on a Roman cross is just a, a bit unbelievable for the modern man, that no matter what you think about Jesus, no matter what you, you think about uh, his ethic, no matter what you think about uh, his, his moral, what you believe is not saving faith. What you believe is not the gospel. And no matter how much you admire him, you have no reason for assurance of God's love. Because Paul tells us clearly in his letter to the Galatians that all who rely upon their own works, all who rely upon their own performance, all who rely upon their own record of keeping that great ethic that Jesus taught, they are under a curse. Because no one can keep his law perfectly. No one can earn their way into God's good favor by their own law-keeping. And so this is the first test of faith. Do you believe that Jesus is the eternal Son of God? Do you believe that, that the eternal Son of God has come in human flesh as the Christ to do for you what you could not do for yourself? That's the test. And if you do not believe that, if you do not believe that, that Jesus died for your sins, then you have no reason for assurance. But that's not where I want to focus this morning. You see, where I want to focus this morning is on the reality that you do believe this. You do believe this. You see, you are gathered here this morning because you believe that Jesus is the Christ. You are painfully aware of the ways that, that, that your faith is weak. <laughs> You are, you are painfully aware of the ways that, that you stumble and fall in your obedience to him, which we'll get to in a moment when we look at the second test. You, you, are, you are painfully aware of your shortcomings. But remember, your salvation was never rooted in your own performance, in your own good works. It was never even rooted in the strength of your faith. Your faith is simply what receives what he has done. You've heard it described, faith is, as empty hands. Faith is, is receptive. And that's why Paul, Jesus can say that faith, like a mustard seed, is all that is required to receive all that he has done for you. You see, if you, if you believe that your salvation is, is dependent upon your performance, you will always be in doubt. 
But remember, your salvation was secured by another. Your salvation was secured by the eternal Son of God come in human flesh. And if you believe that that He is the Son of God and you believe that He came to give His life as the ransom for sinners, and if you have received and rested upon Him for your salvation then you can know that in Him and by Him you have eternal life. You see, we, we often use these tests. <laughs> we often use these, these tests to try to, to weed out false belief and, and false faith, and that's, that's appropriate. But John gave these tests to believers so that they might know that they have eternal life. And that's what I want you to do with these tests this morning. <laughs> Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ? Yes, you do. You believe it. Do you believe that He is the eternal God, the eternal Son of God come in human flesh? Yes, you do. It's why you've gathered here this morning to worship in His name. And do you believe that He is the Christ, the long-promised Savior, who came to give His life as the ransom for many. Yes, you do. In this moment, you believe. No, your faith is not perfect. Yes, your, your faith is sometimes weak, but you believe. And John is saying, if you believe these things, if you call upon His name, even with mustard seed faith, you will be saved. As we'll see in a moment, there are uh, other tests, or maybe as we'll see next week, I'm running out of time here. Um, but there, there are other tests here. There, there are these other tests, these, the, this te- test of obedience and these tests of love. But even there, as we'll see next Sunday, even there, those tests work to assure you. Because I'll just give you a preview of what we'll see next Sunday. Is your, is your obedience perfect? No, it's not. But you have the full purpose of endeavoring after that obedience. You are striving to obey Him in all the weakness of your own flesh. You want to obey. You you don't always do what you want, even as Paul describes in Romans chapter 7. You want to obey, but you don't yet obey perfectly. And you want to love, even though you do not yet love fully. And because we see this, because we see that God has given us the the seed of faith, because we see that He is at work even now, inclining our hearts towards obedience to His Son, and because we see that He is seasoning that obedience with a genuine and sincere love for our brothers, we can know that He is at work in us, and that's the key. You see, where do we find assurance? We find assurance in the evidence that God is at work. Because remember, how do we become beneficiaries? Through God's work, through His effectual work, through His effectual calling. It is He who gives us faith. It is He who works repentance in us. And it is He who unites us to His Son. And it is in that union that God Himself has worked in us. That we have our assurance. Our ground of assurance is not in our performance, not uh, in ourselves at all. But our ground of assurance is because we see God at work. Sam was saying it to the kids. You, you can't see yourself grow, but you can measure. And you can do the same thing with your spiritual life. If you look at yourself today, you, you may not see much progress. You may not see yourself moving forward. 
But you can see that God has been at work over the course of your life, the last five years, the last 10 years, the last 15 years, maybe the last 50 years. God is at work. He's given you faith in his son. He's, he's growing your obedience. And he's cultivating your love. And because God is at work in you, you can have assurance that he will bring to completion the good work that he has begun. You can have assurance that you have eternal life in him. And because we can have such assurance rooted in what God has done and is doing, that is one reason we call this good news. Do you believe that? Amen. Let's believe it together. Father God, we thank you for these tests. Father, we admit that we can sometimes use them in ways that undermine assurance. And we know that there's a place for such work. But Father, I pray that we would receive these tests, even as John intended this morning, Father, that we would receive these tests as ways to to know and grow in our assurance, that we would see that God has actually given us faith. That as we sit here this morning gathered in his presence, we believe that Jesus is the eternal Son of God come in the flesh to save us from our sins. And we are resting upon him for that salvation. And Father, may we know that because you have granted us that faith, even if it is as small as a mustard seed, that you will, by that faith through your power, bring us all the way home. Father, give us such assurance, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.